Accounting is actually a very dynamic profession. You don't think about it as that. You know, you think about it as debits and credits and everything stays the same and it really doesn't. People who are passionate and want to work in, in, and have a desire to be in accounting can be incredibly successful. They didn't have to start out like Kathy and I, devoted to accounting from day one. <laughs> To the Pool Podcast, the official podcast of the Pool College of Management at NC State University. This is a think and do conversation about the relationship between academics and industry. In each episode, we will share research and ideas from the classroom, from our incredible faculty, and explore how it's being translated into practice. I'm your host, Jenny Hammond, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer here in Pool College. Let's dive in. Today, I'm excited to welcome two amazing women from the accounting industry. Our first guest is Kathy Krawchick, the Dixon Hughes Goodman Professor of Accounting and head of the Department of Accounting here in Poole College. Prior to entering academics, Kathy worked in the tax division of Arthur Anderson and Company. Kathy is a distinguished teacher, recognized as an NC State Outstanding Teacher and NC State Alumni Distinguished Undergraduate Professor and she received the Comm Board of Governors Award for Excellence in Teaching. In addition, Kathy and two colleagues received the AAA 2016 Innovation in Accounting Education Award. Kathy has published articles in a variety of journals, including the Journal of the American Taxation Association, Journal of Accounting Education, and the CPA Journal, to name a few. Kathy earned a BS in Accounting and Finance and a Master's in Accounting at Southern Illinois University and received her PhD from the University of Texas at Austin. She is a member of the American Taxation Association, the Auditing and Behavioral Sections of the American Accounting Association, and the American Institute of CPAs. Our second guest is Christine Holmes, a senior partner for Ernst & Young with over 30 years of audit and accounting experience. Christine has completed two international rotations in Japan and the Netherlands and spent four years as a member of EY's Capital Markets Group in Europe, advising engagement teams on technical matters related to assessing the U.S. capital markets and building strong relationships throughout the firm's global organization. Christine currently leads the global account team serving a multinational Fortune 250 insurance and asset management company. In addition to her current role, Christine is serving as the Diversity and Inclusiveness Leader for the Finance Services Office Assurance Practice. Christine is a 1988 accounting graduate of Poole and is currently serving as the Chair of the Poole Advisory Board. It's always nice to have alumni back to share their experiences and success stories with our community. Thank you both for being here today. I'm really excited about our conversation today and I think I'm even more excited that we have two women in the accounting industry to talk about all good things about accounting, but I'd love to find out a little bit more about how you each got here. And so Kathy, maybe you could give us a little bit of a 30,000 foot view. You started on the firm side, but then you migrated over to teaching and higher ed. So tell us what drew you over to higher ed and, and, and perhaps kind of what you've loved most about being in this role. Well, I, I actually started in accounting because I was good in math in high school, you know, and it seemed like an appealing option. 
And nowadays everybody laughs because you don't need to be good at math to be an accountant. <laughs> you need to be much better in terms of people. But I, you know, I took a class in high school and accounting and because it fit into my schedule and ended up enjoying it a lot and enjoyed my classes in college. Went into public accounting in St. Louis and really enjoyed the time. I ended up being the most experienced woman in my department of 50 people after four years. And so there's not a lot of mentoring from above. And I, I and uh, my good friends basically wandered off and went and took other jobs. So it kind of left me solo in there. And I never thought I would actually take the route of going into academia at all when I first graduated. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had an old boyfriend who had our lives planned and he was going to go be the you know college professor. We both needed to do that. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to be partner in accounting firm, <laughs> which is kind of funny now. It happens, right? Yeah. It does kind of happen. So um, I, I think that kind of stayed in the back of my mind. And, you know, four years in when I decided it was time to do something a little different, I actually applied for a job at uh, one of the colleges around the St. Louis area. And got a job and taught there for a couple of years and really, really, really enjoyed it and decided to go back to school and get my PhD and then go into academics. So that's why I'm where I am right now. What do you love most about being in this role? I love the student interaction. I really do. You know, the we have to part of our job is the teaching the research and the service and the teaching aspects of it are just so much fun for me i am currently teaching grad students so uh, you know you get a whole another level up there we're going to talk a lot about what it takes to succeed in the profession and i think being able to give that to students being able to actually provide them with some training in those skills and some working on those skills while they're here in a pretty low cost environment is a, is a lot of, of appeal to it. Christine, you actually graduated from the program here in Poole College. What drew you to accounting? And you've had the opportunity when I was reviewing all of your portfolio and your, and your bio information for this podcast, you've been able to do a couple different things in your time already in your career. What have you loved most about um, the profession so far? So those are great questions, Jenny. And, and it's funny, Kathy and I have known each other for years, and, and I've had a lot of opportunities to work with Kathy since I've been out of uh, pool. So uh, it's exciting for me to be here with her today. Um, what drew me to accounting was not dissimilar from Kathy in high school. It wasn't a love of math, but I took an accounting class. And I really thought this was a, a great opportunity <clears throat> career-wise because I felt accounting was a transferable skill. Uh, you know, no matter where I ended up living, wherever my life took me, I would be able to find work. And that was something that was important to me. But as I reflect back on that, it was really a bookkeeping class. And when I came to to, to NC State and studied accounting, that's when I really became aware of what the opportunities were in accounting and, and how uh, diverse that was. I mean, it's a fantastic base to really any career in business. In fact, I, I often counsel uh, and mentor young people to say, you know, there's, there's nothing that will ever hurt you if you study accounting. It is a great base. It doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily go to work in accounting, but it's just a fantastic base for business. 
But from that, I was introduced to public accounting, which I knew nothing about, ended up going to work for EY. And here I am, you know, over 30 years later, still incredibly happy in public accounting because of all of the diverse opportunities that that, that presented for me. You mentioned, you know, I've done a lot of different things um, in public accounting with EY. I've, you know, I've had, I've had international rotations. I've I've worked in client direct external client service. I've also been an internal client server. So a lot of different opportunities. I've done research for the firm. I've written responses to accounting standards <laughs> for the firm. So there's a lot of different things. And it's going to sound uh, like I'm copying everything Kathy says, but the thing that I really love about public accounting is the opportunity to work with our young accountants as they come in but also with our clients. Um, you know, in my role, I've had, I've had roles where I predominantly did research and I worked a lot by myself versus directly with our, our clients, our external clients, or with the, the accountants as they're, and auditors as they're developing in their careers. And what's really kept me here is the opportunity to work with people to really help them develop in their careers and mentor them and show them what all the opportunities are. Christine actually is able to work with students, too, in the program. Remember the time that you were in our Second Life program? She, she came to my class virtually and discussed a case with students a couple of different years in a row. So it was a lot of fun to have that interaction. She was in Amsterdam at the time. It was really exciting. I it, was, it. it was a lot of fun getting her involved like that. Well, and that's the, the basis of what we love about pool too, is engaging industry. So students have that real application. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's awesome. I, I'd love to just touch on a little bit, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here, but I think it's worthy of noting that if the both of you have grown and, and taken on pretty substantial roles in your career and a fairly male dominated industry. One, how did you do that? And two, what advice would you give to women, especially those that are in these fields that are typically dominated by male populations? I'm thinking along the lines of accounting, obviously, technology is another one. Kathy, you touched on being kind of a mentor to students in class. And Christine, you said that's something you enjoy. Do you give that type of specific feedback or kind of, you know, have a little sense of pride of knowing that you know, you've, you've done so well in this industry and maybe hasn't, you know, maybe that wasn't something that you had necessarily expected? It is something that I, I speak to the women at EY about a lot. Um, I think our industry has changed dramatically in the time since I joined. There were very few women partners. And today we have a woman leading the U.S. firm. And she's stepping down and where she, where she's going to be followed by another woman to lead the U.S. firm. So very impressive with, you know, where we've come from in, in my tenure in the business you know, we have a woman leading our Japanese firm, very, and I was in the, the Tokyo office for a while, and that would have been unheard of um, in 2007 when I was there. So really seeing a lot of change. And, and I think that's been incredibly intentional. We have, at, at EY, we have really focused on inclusivity and trying to make our environment more flexible and inclusive to all people. Uh, and and that has really benefited a lot of women in, in our practice. And, and I do talk about the things that I think make women successful. And the most important one, and if I, I thought back to my younger self, would be 
to be authentic. I think I spent too much of my early years trying to emulate the men in the practice, the male leaders or the female leaders who who had a style that was very different from my own. And what I realized was I really needed to be myself. The, the reason EY hired me was because of who I was and what they thought I brought to the table, but I, I felt like I needed to emulate somebody else. And, and all I would say is just be as authentic as you can to yourself and what your passions are, because that's why uh, an employer hires you and, and they want to see what you will bring to the company. I took, a, the, I took an approach in public accounting and even then when I moved into academics of just being one of the guys in effect. And it isn't necessarily acting like a male. It is just working hard and doing what I do and not, you know, not causing any stir, just be one of the, of the people and interact well with the people that I work with. So it was work, working hard and, and being just part of it, of the group, part of the making sure that I, that I fit in and that I was me. I agree with Christine. You've got to be yourself and be able to just get along on your own merits. Uh, you know, I would hate for someone to tell me I was hired because I was a woman. I would like to be hired because I was the best person for the job. And that's, you know, it's, it's something that I think our young women students these days don't understand how different it was when Christine and I first started. And you probably started after I did. <laughs> but when we started in the profession, it was very, very male dominated. You're right. And so it was just be the best you can be and find a good mentor. You know, it's, I, I especially noticed that here in academics, you know, getting a good mentor and good support. I never thought that I would, I, that I would fail here. It was always, there was support from our current Dean, who was a, one of the more experienced assistant professors when I started. Our department head was, even though he was an old college coach, he was very much the, you're going to make it and this is what you need to do. And so I had some good mentors along the way to do that. I would say to our current students as they're going out to be open to ideas and to be open to change. And the profession has changed a lot. Be open to learning, be open to advancement. Uh, just take the opportunities and run with them. And, you know, there's so much out there and and so much available. And, you know, as Christine said, you don't need accounting gives you a lot of opportunities that are not even in just accounting firms, but a lot of opportunities there be open to what you can, what, what interests you the most, you know, academics is me, public accounting is Christine might be owning a restaurant might be something else might be but be open to what is of interest to you and combine that to with what you've got in terms of the drive and the knowledge. You know, Kathy, that, I think that's such an important piece of advice. I, I think so many times I've been speaking with someone about an opportunity and the reaction was, well, I could never do that. Or I, I don't, I don't think I have all the skills needed for that. And I try to encourage people to, to be open to that change or that challenge, because you don't really know what you can do until you try to do it. And with the right mentorship and support, you are going to be successful. And people wouldn't ask you, your your mentors and your supervisors wouldn't invite you to try a new opportunity if they didn't think you had what it takes. So, And look at how much we have each changed in our careers. 
I mean, you know, started in public accounting. I moved into, you know, just teaching at a university and then going back to school and getting a PhD and moved up from professor to MAC director to current department head, things I never would have expected to be doing when I first started into this. But it's they've all brought me a lot of satisfaction and, you know, who knows what's going to come next. Yeah, and that's a great point, Kathy. It's very hard to map out your career from day one. If you would have asked me when I graduated from NC State, where did I see myself in five years, 10 years, 15 years? I can tell you those answers were very different over my career. So you don't plan this out. You know, things change. You change your mind about things. I thought I was going to go back to school and get a master's in health administration and and go and be the director of a hospital. So, you know, it, it, you never know where your career is going to take you. So you definitely want to set goals and, and think ahead, but, but be open to change if something more interesting comes along. So tagging on that a little bit, this can be a dual question for both of you from a different lens, I guess. But Kathy, thinking about what industry is coming to you and saying, these are the skills that we need our graduates, our new employees to have. What, what are some of those skills that are being taught in the classroom right now? And, and why are they so critical for what is currently happening in the accounting world and what you foresee as changes in the future? Well, as I mentioned up front, I got into this because I was good at math. And now we realize that it's really a people field. And you need a lot of skills other than just technical knowledge and math in order to succeed here. So I teach a research class to graduate students, which is great because the the skills that we work on are the skills, the soft skills that I think they need out in practice. We do a lot of critical analysis and critical reasoning. They have to be able to reach decisions based upon laws or standards or, or information that isn't necessarily clear. They do a lot of group work and a lot of teamwork and a lot of leadership, taking on leadership roles in it. They do a lot of analytics in our program, which is the wave of the future. I mean, you you know, you talk about where we think the profession is going to be. It's not just financial information that we're dealing with anymore. It's a lot of other information and we have the tools and the ability and the strengths and the skills to be able to analyze that information. So I think that that's really where we're going to, what we see students needing is a lot of those soft skills, a lot of that analysis ability a lot of that looking at information, not in details, but in bigger picture. I would uh, completely agree with you, Kathy. What I see in practice is more and more we're going to uh, data analytics, looking at um, big data to try to innovate our audit procedures and to have uh, a more holistic and deeper audit than we've ever been able to do before. You know, we've come a long way from the days of uh, sampling techniques. So <laughs> let's pick a sample of 25 and, and come to a conclusion. But the skills that have, that make auditors very successful are absolutely people skills. You're, you're dealing with your clients. You're dealing with the, the people at the firm every day. I used to think that I loved accounting because it was always the right answer. You know, you could always make that balance sheet balance, but there is a tremendous amount of judgment involved in this business. And research is critically important in being able to interpret what that means. So be, that critical decision making is an incredibly important skill. We are going to continue to see the industry change. 
And we're going to see more and more disruption. You know, during the pandemic, we went from working in our offices every day to working entirely remotely every day and our clients working entirely remotely. And as some of that is starting to change to more of a hybrid environment of sometimes in the office, sometimes not in the office, those communication skills and people skills are critically important to be able to maintain and and build relationships in an entirely new way. I think Christine makes a really good point too about this is just another example of how we've changed and how we've had to pivot. You know, the whole pandemic of, offering remote work or remote classes, uh, going into a situation where learning in, and, and is a whole different ballgame. Things have shifted to an online environment and, it, and it's, it actually takes a lot more work. It actually making sure that you're effective in, I, I know it does in a classroom, making sure that I'm effective in a classroom in an online environment takes more work than going and standing in a classroom and talking to students and getting that interaction because you don't have, you have to gauge the interactions a lot different. You have to gauge how much they're learning differently. You have to have much more touch with them. So the whole, it's, I don't see it changing a lot. I think you're going to continue to see a lot of online. We're growing our online Mac program. I think you're going to continue to see a lot of remote work, but the way that we're going to be producing it or the way we're going to be interacting is is something that we we have to work on. We have to make sure that we're doing it the best way and the most effective way. And Kathy, what I see changing is we're actually entering into relationships now completely virtually where, you know, we used to always have the opportunity to to meet a new client face to face over a meeting, over the process of a proposal, for example, and those interactions had to take place 100% virtually. So learning how to develop and, and build relationships in a virtual environment has also taken quite a bit more work. Trying to ensure that you are engaging and you're getting understanding in a virtual environment, which is very different from how I grew up working face-to-face with people. You know, a big big part of what we do is assess people's responses um, and, and really having to encourage people to always put their camera on. That was very difficult in the beginning of the pandemic. People were not comfortable because they were always looking at themselves and they didn't want to see themselves. They've never had to look at themselves <laughs> all the time before. So and that's going to continue. And I think it only opens up more opportunities in my business to expand who we work with when we don't have to hop on a plane, certainly better for the environment and it's better for the well-being of our people if we're not traveling constantly and we can continue to leverage the, the virtual environment. And we find it in meetings because more people are able to attend if it's an online meeting, a virtual meeting, and you get you know you get a, a more interaction that way. And I'm gonna take a little aside here because over the weekend I read, I'm reading the book, Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. And he was talking about, he's talking about how jurors and judges are actually much worse at, at kind of reading people when they see them face to face. And they are better at when they just take testimony and when they just take, you know, just take what is being said. And I thought that was really interesting that you know, they can't, and, and actually it was, it was when people are lying. They can't tell when people are lying when they, you know, when they are looking at them face to face. So that was kind of a little aside there that it's not all face-to-face is not always the best. 
Interesting. I'd much yeah. rather look look somebody in the eye when I ask them a question. I agree, but there's a lot of people out there who can fool that. So what I'm hearing is that these type of soft skills are so critical, you know, having the ability EQ, we talk a lot about EQ, right? I think that's critical and probably people would have assumed that that's not that important in the world of accounting, but it sounds like that definitely is moving forward. You know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on in Pool College, and we certainly encourage the students to do is try to have some of this practical experience before they go into the workforce. So how much do you feel practicums, internships, how are, are they still just as vital in terms of preparing students for these roles? And is it something that you both would encourage a student to consider, whether it's a practicums, an internship, or maybe even a study abroad opportunity before they step into the workforce? I highly encourage internships, study abroad, any opportunity to actually practice what you're going to be doing. And I think it's critically important as a student to better understand what this profession is about. I didn't do an internship. That wasn't a common uh, practice when I came through school. And I had to learn everything from day one when I joined EY. And I really didn't know what to expect. I mean, I, I knew somewhat. I took an auditing class, but you know, auditing back then, there wasn't even a case study, right? It was really the theory of auditing. It wasn't what we did on a day-to-day basis. It was 100% on the job uh, learning. And I feel that our interns had a tremendous opportunity to really experience what is it going to be like when is is this really the career that I thought it was? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm happy to say that I think 99% of the time they agree it is, but they also tell me at the end of their internships how much they learned and and how they really appreciate now what they're going to be doing when they when they start full time. But I think study abroads as well just give the students another opportunity to experience a different environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is business like? Uh, what is an international business like? You know, our, our economy is becoming more and more global, and you're very likely going to be working with global companies, whether you go to work for a global company or you go into work in public accounting, which are you know, largely global firms serving international and, and global companies. So 100% encourage students to continue that. It goes in with the with the people skills, too. I mean, Way back when I first started into public accounting, even it was, you know, your your typical introvert was your was your strong person there, your 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 actual person who did who went into accounting because that's what they felt most most comfortable with. But with so much people interaction these days, these experiences, practicums, whether it's going into a company and helping them solve a problem, whether it's going on a study abroad, whether it's doing an internship, all of that provides them with a lot of exposure to good experiences and to a wide range of people, a wide range of of individuals to work with and a wide range of companies to work with. So practicums are great because it makes students think about problems from a different perspective think about put on that kind of consultant hat, hat and and walk into a business and say we're here to help you. And I know with we offer them here on campus in enterprise risk management, we offer them in analytics, we offer them in supply chain, we offer them all, you know, a lot of different areas in the pool college. And they're all just extremely valuable learning experiences. So I I really like all of them because students learn a lot, they get to interact a lot, and they get much more comfortable with themselves. 
you know, a student who's done an internship or a or a practicum or even a study abroad goes out a more confident student, a more confident graduate. Um, Kathy, you talked about internship opportunities. Can you just maybe say quickly how students can find out more about internship opportunities at Pool? Oh, this is good. Yes. Yeah. In terms of internship opportunities, we have a couple of different ways to find out about them. In one of them is generally informal. Here's some opportunities that come up through career services or that come up through <clears throat> just companies telling us that they would like someone to work with them. One of them is the more structured accounting internship program that we have, um, that we specifically target a group of students for to, that are the primes, you know, that are the top students in the classes that are the, and they're recommended by faculty and they are then go through a series of making sure that they're well prepared for interviewing for internships and they will interview for internships with the public accounting firms. So we do see some that are targeted specifically to public accounting. And then we see some that are more corporate or governmental or maybe more of a business sort of a internship. So there's formal, a formal program and then a more informal program for it. I would say that if a student is interested in an internship, there's an internship out there for them someplace. And that's working with us. That's working with the you know, undergrad programs director. That's working with the, the department head. That's working with career services to make sure that we can get that student that opportunity. But there are opportunities out there for just about anybody who's going to want one. So I'd be curious to hear from each of you from your perspective, Kathy, more from what you're hearing from employers and Christine, your perspective as an employer, what do you see changing or what does the accounting industry look like in the next five to 10 years? I'm sure the pandemic has influenced some, some things maybe a little bit faster than we anticipated. Christine, you mentioned um, analytics as something that's continuing to arise in the profession, but what are some other things that you're seeing or perhaps could be changing the profession as a whole? We're going to continue to see the firms focusing on how to work in this, in this virtual environment. In um, virtual is here to stay. I think in-person is also here to stay. I don't believe we're going to be 100% virtual. Uh, certainly what I have seen now that our offices are reopened is people love being back together but they also love the flexibility of being able to work from home. I think we will continue to hone that uh, skill. And I see our clients doing the same. They are predominantly going to some type of a hybrid work environment where it, it will some, some will be in person on site and some will be virtual. That's going to continue. The continued automation and digitization of the audit um, it, that's just going to continue to develop. And I think the focus on that in the university programs is incredibly helpful because it is going to continue in what we do. What I don't see changing, and, and students often ask me, is are our jobs going to be replaced by a computer? Are our jobs going to be replaced by offshoring? And, and we're now 20 years into supplementing our audit with offshore resources. It is never going to replace the fact that we need people who can engage with our clients and with each other in, in an environment where you can, you can be in person. I don't think that is changing, certainly not in the five to 10 years. And I don't think it's changing long term. And um, I think the thing that kind of keeps me up at night is what's going to be the next disruption. 
in our in our industry. You know, every industry is disrupted at some point. And, and I often think about that. What's going to disrupt public accounting? Is it going to be a big data service provider that's going to figure out a way to audit without as much human interaction? You know, what is that disruption? We're, we're all dealing with the war for talent right now and the struggle to get to keep people. You know, we spend a lot of time and money educating and training a workforce. So how and how do we continue to make our workplace the the top workplace of choice? Right. So we want to continue to be that flexible and inclusive environment that offers the great career opportunities that people don't want to leave. One of the things that we do in our class every year is we talk about the initiatives that the major standard setters and the major accounting organizations are dealing with. So it kind of goes along with what Christine was talking about. So I think what in addition to, and I think Christine made great points there, I think in addition to that, I would say that we're always looking at new forms of transactions. I mean, these days we have, you know, cryptocurrency, we have so such issues with cybersecurity. Uh, we've got a lot of information that is not financial information that is, is relevant to businesses and needs to be analyzed. You've got the sustainability, you know, accounting standards board that is big now. And so ESG is a major initiative. So a lot of consulting related to climate and uh, sustainability and environmental responses of companies. And so, and students need to be able to look at a bigger picture than just the details. They need to be able to look at what a business does and understand what that does, what the business does, what the industry does, how it's going to change. But we make sure that our students realize this is what the SEC initiatives are for the next few years. And this is what the AICPA's initiatives are for the next few years. And this is what we're seeing the standard setters work on. And this is, you know, where we think things are going to, are we going to be all international standards in the future? Probably not, but what are we going, you know, how, how consistent are things going to be on an international basis, whether it's accounting standards, auditing standards, tax laws, et cetera. So we try and make sure that they realize that there are a lot of changes this is accounting is actually a very dynamic profession. You don't think about it as that. You know, you think about it as debits and credits and everything stays the same and it really doesn't. And so what they need to be just aware of and, and understanding is, is the dynamic nature of it is how much changes in the profession. So you've got a lot of the disruptions on the outside, the, you know, the whole pandemic and how we're working and all of that, but you've got a lot of just the basic knowledge that changes, the basic standards and the way that we're going to be approaching, you know, transactions or information changing too. Yeah, Kathy, I would 100% agree. It is a very dynamic industry that is constantly changing. So being comfortable with change um, or, or accepting it is, is important to survive in this industry. The SEC, as you mentioned, very focused on cybersecurity. They just released a, a new draft disclosure or a, um, guidance on uh, that's open for comment on cyber disclosures that would require companies to disclose in an 8K within four days of a cyber event that's deemed material. And so there's a, a lot of information around that. How do you de determine material? Is that one event? Is that multiple events? You know, they want to have a cybersecurity expert on every public company 
Org. Um, so harkening back to Sarbanes-Oxley and requiring the, the financial expert on every audit committee. So, you know, a lot of um, external forces impacting that. The ESG data, the SEC has become very focused on this, you know, disclosing information about climate change and, you know, human capital disclosures. And a lot of that's outside of the audited financial statements. So, you know, there's going to be some focus on how do companies ensure that that data is controlled and accurate because it is not being audited by an outside service provider or not required to be at at this stage. And that may change in the future, but uh, a lot of exciting changes. And as I'm coming to the, the, uh, end of my career, there is still going to be a tremendous amount of of change going on in the industry, and I'll continue to follow it. What we're seeing, Kathy, correct me if I'm wrong, in our MAC program, we have students that are coming to our graduate program that have no accounting background. They might have been a teacher. They might have been in the medical field. They might have been in a completely different type of industry, and they're choosing to go into accounting because they can give a different perspective than maybe somebody who's been an accountant you know, since they graduated undergrad, that to me is extremely exciting. And I think that touches on some of the changes that the two of you mentioned, because you're bringing in people that have this type of extra expertise, the, the cybersecurity, the sustainability lens, all of those pieces, I think will continue to help grow and change that dynamic ability within accounting. But just curious to hear your thoughts about that more Christine, from your perspective of hiring people that maybe don't come from a traditional accounting background and Kathy, kind of the the side conversations and the things that you're hearing from applicants that have chosen to come back to school that don't have that traditional accounting undergrad. First of all, they they do go through some classes or some online training to pick up a lot of the concepts of undergrad. So they don't walk in just without. Right, right, right. But But they do. They do bring a totally different perspective. And I'll tell you the truth that I, in terms of actual, how well they do in a class, their performance, I don't see a big difference between them. I see that they're, they're motivated. They've got that. They're that most of them are career changers. Most of them are coming in because they want to advance in their career that they're in, or they want to take a new side career, a new different career. And they're, and they're changing. You know, so they've already experienced the let's change something and let's get into this. And even though I don't have accounting as a background, maybe I'm a physical therapist. (laughs) You know, I just talked to a young lady who's coming into the program. She's a physical therapist and her husband runs a trucking company. Like, okay, you're perfect for this, you know, but she wants to be able to, you know, to be a good accounting firm for that sort of a niche area in the future. Perfect opportunity. And they'll they'll come in and they will bring they they'll they're motivated they are they're because this is their choice you know a lot of your students who come into a master's program it's because okay we're done with the four year program let's do it because we're not ready to leave school or because we mom and dad said we need to do this or because it's the best way to get the type of job that I want to get but these people you know are are ASAP students, we call them, which is our summer accounting prereqs program. Um, our ASAP students are are motivated. They, I mean, they really, really have the drive to get through this. And you know, we all know that accounting, especially at the master's level, is not easy. <laughs> so, for someone to voluntarily decide they want to do that is, you know, you've you've got a lot of good 
a, a good motive and a good drive and a good ambition to begin with. And we find that they're very successful. And we've experimented with a lot of different opportunities at the firm. We have a neurodiversity center that focuses on people who are neurodivergent and how they can be successful in a public accounting environment and have found them to be very successful when given the right environment to do what they do best. And some of that's very focused on our data analytics because they are very data focused or math focused, but we have found they've also been able to supplement audit teams during the pandemic in the in this you know virtual environment, they've become more comfortable with that. So, so we look at, um, People who are passionate and want to work and, and, and have a desire to be in accounting can be incredibly successful. They didn't have to start out like Kathy and I, devoted to accounting from day one. <laughs> in fact, there are probably very few of us out there. <laughs> well, I so appreciate both of you coming today out of your busy schedules to have this conversation. I think there are a lot of great nuggets that our, our students can take away. I think we're incredibly lucky to have leaders, female leaders such as yourselves, um, that kind of paved the way for younger um, generations. I want to end with this question. It's always fun, and I'm always fascinated to hear kind of the responses. And you both touched on this a little bit, but mm-hmm. if you could go back to Kathy at 21 and Christine at 21, knowing the kind of careers that you've had, what are some advice would you give to your 21-year-old self? I would tell myself to embrace my creative side a little bit more and be open to change more so than I was probably then, you know, at that point in time, it was, of course, it was a little introvert. Okay. (laughs) I was, so it was being more open, I think, than I actually was. I was well designed for the tax department in a public accounting firm because it was, you know, a lot of work at my desk, a lot of not, not as much interaction with people. And I find that that's been something I've had to learn and that I've had to, in order to to do what I'm doing, I have to have gotten much better at it. So I would say, you know, be a little more creative, a little more outgoing and be aware that and embrace that change that's going to come ahead of you. I would tell my 21 year old self to receive constructive criticism as an opportunity. I I think uh, the first few times someone gave me constructive criticism in a review, I took it as the death knell to my career versus really accepting it for what it was. Somebody really wanted to see me succeed and felt that there were areas that if I could just, you know, be a little bit better at this or a little bit better at that, there would be nothing to hold me back in my career. And I didn't look at it that way. So I always you know, and we ask our clients all the time, can we can we get some feedback on our services? And sometimes some of my team are defensive about that, right? No, we do a great audit. We do, we, we're great at client service. You know what? If our clients didn't care about us, they wouldn't invest the time in the relationship to tell us how we could be better. And that's the same for people giving you feedback on, on your career or on your work or on your on your schoolwork. They want you to be better and they want to help you be better. They're not trying to knock you down. Those are both great, great pieces of feedback and hopefully somebody somewhere will be listening to that and think about that as they start their career. But thank you again, both for joining us today. And um, we look forward to seeing how you finish out your careers, both of you. Thank you, I've enjoyed it. And great to see you, Christy. 
Great seeing you again, Kathy. I'd love to come back and uh, teach a class again. That was fun. Oh, that'd be great. We would love you too. Thank you for listening, everyone. For more information on the Poole College of Management at NC State, visit pool.ncsu.edu or follow along on social media where we're at NC State Pool. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. I'm Jenny Hammond, and we'll see you next time on the Pool Podcast. Thank you.